0: Welcome to the Cumberland FA podcast. The aim of this podcast is to offer a support mechanism for coaches in grassroots football by providing regular insight from experts working within both grassroots and elite football. We also plan to hear from grassroots coaches with a focus on highlighting some good practice taking place throughout Cumberland. For more information about each episode, just click on the album artwork where you'll find links to literature mentioned, as well as further information about the guest speaker. We hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: This podcast has been something that has been in the planning for a few years now. Some episodes have been recorded over the last couple of seasons, including our first episode you are about to listen to. In the mists of COVID-19, sweeping through our nation, it has certainly given us some time to reflect. I've been attempting to get this podcast out of the ground for some time now and have finally got around to producing these. In this first episode, we talked to Tony Elliott. Tony has been one of the leading goalkeeper coaches and goalkeeper coach educators for the last 10 years. Still working with the international squads, Tony previously worked with the national futsal squad. Tony's focus has been on developing the modern-day goalkeeper to deal with the demands of the modern-day game. We recorded this first episode when Tony had moved back to Cumbria for a short period of time, having spent the last 10 years travelling the world with the international squads he was involved with. Subsequently, Tony has now taken on a further role with the England Blind Football squad as their goalkeeper coach and is still the national FA futsal goalkeeper coach developer. We thought this would be an excellent opportunity for Tony to share his experiences to date with you all. I was delighted to sit down and catch an hour of Tony's time when he was back up in Cumbria. The episode covers a wide range of topics including Tony's journey from a small home in Cumbria, goalkeeping in general, futsal, variety of formats of the game Tony's worked in and goalkeeping education. For any coaches out there interested in Tony's background and his extensive international work you're in for a treat with this episode. We hope you enjoy the show. You on our on our podcast, um, sat here with Tony Elliott, um, probably delighted to to have you on here. It's been um, certainly I've been working for the last four years with the county FA. No one we've had probably a, a national coach that's been from from the county, but working away, working internationally. Um, it's it's probably quite quite timely really with the launch of this podcast that we can sit down with yourself um, and. Probably try and share with the listeners some experiences that you've had um, previously. So, um, started to do some research prior to coming with you today. Right. Um, Realised how many sort of league games. I know we said it's a 186 appearances of league football. Mm-hmm. Um, probably closer to 250 games a total. Um, played at clubs at Hereford, Huddersfield, Carlisle, uh, Cardiff, and Scarborough. Mm-hmm. If my research proves me right. Yep, and that was even before looking at what you've done on the coaching side, um, and I know, and and that's probably what we're going to delve into in this episode, um, far more extensive, um, in that sense. So, uh, Tony, if you just want to kick us off with sort of who you are and and, and your current roles you hold within football, if that's all right.
2: Yeah, no problem. Well, hello everybody, and uh, great to be with you. Um, lovely to be invited to uh, sort of share my learnings, thoughts, and findings from me my years in the game. So. Uh, yeah, it's great to be back in 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 Carlisle. Um, we've had a sort of a year on loan down in Manchester. Um, you know, I think it's it's no uh, secret that you know I, I love the area, and uh, you know my, my my good lady Tracy is a, a Carlisle lass, so that's where the connection all started. And and we ended up having I think when I retired and moved back here, we ended up living here for about 16 years um, before we moved away last year, and then. Uh, know that the county's dragged us back so um but no it's great to be back and um you know i'm I'm settling back in nicely um recently had a change um you know of role within what i do um i was uh, for for the 12 months between may 2016 and uh, i think uh yeah, about september 20, uh, 2017 i was ahead of international youth goalkeeping in the women's game um but sometimes you you, you sort of uh you have to look at what you're doing and, and, and making sure that it works for you uh, and if things don't resonate then um, you know there's no point being around that and that, that was my decision, that's why I left that role, it, it didn't quite resonate with me so that's why um, I decided to, to move away and come back to, to what I love And so currently James, I'm now um, working with the Cerebral Palsy Squad where I'm obviously Head of Goalkeeping um, working with the England Blind Squad so again um, look after the goalkeeping program there uh, but i've also recently took up a new new role a little bit different for me um which is sort of another feather in my cap it with a sixth format of the game that i'm involved with now uh, or have been involved with and that is uh i'm the joint head coach of the england women's deaf foot self squad um, and we've recently been to norway um, where we were in uh, qualification for the European Championships, which take place in Finland um, next year, December next year, and we qualified, so we won two games, um, drew one, and we got the team through to uh, the finals. And uh, we're looking forward to a trip to Finland next year. So at the moment, that's what I'm doing. I'm also, uh, I've also now got a lovely local connection. Uh, I was invited by a good friend of mine, Darren Emmonsen, who's um, looking after the academy. Stuff at Carlisle United, and he's asked me to go in and, and do some work with them. So um, I'm working along with with Nikki Hill, who uh, obviously has, has has had that position at the club for a, for a, a while now um, in terms of looking after the academy goalkeepers. So Nicky and I share that role. Um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of mentoring going on um, in terms of that. So I'm I'm sharing a lot of of new knowledge with Nicky So obviously, when I'm away with England, I I go and do that. And, and Nicky looks after the uh, the goalkeeping side at the club. When I'm at home, when I'm back in Carlisle, I then go into the club and Nicky and I work together and, and hopefully that will uh, prove a great benefit um, to the goalkeepers at the club. So I've been doing that for two months now and uh, really enjoying it. And uh, you know, no doubt in the new year, I can really start to make a mark in that role.
1: Great stuff. Um, I suppose, it, yeah, you, you mentioned some key things. You mentioned uh, the sixth, fo- sixth, sixth form of the game that you're involved yeah, with. Yeah. Um. Do you do, want to just just describe the, <laughs> the forms for the listeners the uh, the different elements of the game? Yeah, Cause a lo- I think a lot of people think football is eleven v eleven, mm. Um, mm. traditionally on a big pitch. But yeah. we know, and, and certainly within the FA, we know that there's far more far more elements to the yeah. game. So, if you just for the listeners, yeah, talk us through the six forms. Yeah, of course.
2: So obviously, you know, my my, my sort of first contact with with the, with the round thing um, was was. You know, 11 a football, so both as a player and as a coach, so you know, that's obviously the, the, the fo- first format. Um, as I just alluded to, I've been involved in the women's game. Um, I had the, that role for a year, which was full-time, but I've been working within the women's game uh, at international level for about three years prior to that, so that's the second format. Um, obviously, a big part of my life over the last 10 years has been futsal. So, uh, which is something we can maybe chat about in you know in more detail shortly. Yeah, sure. um, you know, which is a you know an ever ever evolving and, and rapidly growing game in this country, which I'm really really pleased about. Um, so that that's futsal, um, and but that's sort of men's uh, senior futsal. Um Then obviously the the cerebral palsy squad, um, which I've been involved with since just after London 2012. Um, and obviously, I had the great honour and pleasure of, uh, of going to Rio last in, in uh, yeah 2016 with them um, for the Rio Paralympics. So that was uh, not just with England, but also with Great Britain, which was a you know a, an unbelievable experience. Again, we can chat more about that. And then on the back of the um, the CP role, I got the the job very shortly after that with the England blind squad. Um, which again you know, is a fantastic opportunity for me to, to look at the game in a different way and, and to come up with diverse and different practice. Um, again, you know, we can have a quick chat around the, the dynamics of that format of the game. So that's five. And then obviously number six, as I just mentioned, um, is now this new role I've got in the, uh, in the women's deaf foot sale programme and uh, one which I'm very much looking forward to getting my teeth into and, and hopefully taking the squad and going and really competing for medals in, in the championships in December next year.
1: Well, wow. um, I'm going to sort of come, before before we sort of sat down, I sent Tony a script around sort of the types of things, but um, I'm going to sort of come away a little bit because a couple of, couple of key, key words I want to pick out that you mentioned. Mm. Um, one was diverse and one was the different formats. Yeah. Um, what's it taken for you as a coach to, <coughs> what's been the key things that have allowed you to really um, work in these, these different formats? Because I'm guessing, and probably from being quite naive in, in this, all very different in in how you have to approach things.
2: Yeah, of course. I th- I think the the big thing, the big change for me came when I uh, accepted the role with the Futsal squad, um, 2007. Um, <coughs> I'd never heard of the game, <coughs> and uh, through uh, you know my, I was working at Liverpool at the time as part of the academy staff there, uh, which was uh, you know a role that I held for I was there for about five or six years. Um, as I say, part time worked at Liverpool in the the goalkeeping uh, section, um, but through uh, a mutual friend of the, of the head of the goalkeeping um, at the academy at Liverpool I, w- I was offered the option or the opportunity to go and work with um, with the futsal squad because they were looking for a new goalkeeper coach so I popped down to Lily had a look and immediately fell in love with the game I think very quickly I realised that um, the um, the way I needed to work in terms of the game itself, the format um, you know and, and the skill set of the goalkeeper was quite different and very different um, to that of a football goalkeeper so what I couldn't do was take a lot of the stuff that I did as a goalkeeper coaching football and use it and utilise it in futsal so the only way that I could sort of upskill myself because in those days there was no form of uh, a formal education for futsal in this country we hadn't really got a proper Structure in place which we have now and it's fantastic and I'm a part of that, which is great Um, So what all I could do was just immerse myself um, In the game um, You know Get as much detail as I can watch as many games as I could um, You know find out what the role of the goalkeeper was and obviously through training sessions with them um, You know that that then allowed me to sort of move away a little bit from football but create a syllabus and a curriculum that was specific to that format of the game, which obviously was vitally important for the goalkeepers, because in those days what we had to do was we had to transition football goalkeepers to become futsal goalkeepers, and that was quite tough, you know. So I, I took goalkeepers from Tottenham, and, and they became England internationals. We took goalkeepers from um, Carlisle, uh, Jordan Parker, who was at Car- we, you know, and Jordan became one of my goalkeepers, you know. So we had to upskill them. But I, I couldn't use a lot of what i had and and basically that's all i've done so over the years that that initial way of doing it, the template i used in cell, basically i've just done that with all the other formats so i've looked at the game i've gone in with my eyes wide open and gone right what, what what's the format that i'm involved with what's the skill set required specifically by the goalkeeper because obviously i needed to focus on that first but then what's their role within the group holistically so not just the, the technical side, but tactically, what's an involvement you know I'm a, I'm a big believer now in working on, on that side corner because I think that's you know by far and away the biggest element of goalkeeping that's been neglected over the years you know we've, we've been too technically based, but now I spend a lot of time working with my goalkeepers on the side side because I think that's a major part of the game, so all of those ways of doing that are now basically just using and utilise um, you know, when I go into working in different formats, just get myself in there, immerse myself in that that specific format. Try and grab as much understanding and, and detail as I can, both when I'm there and when I'm away. And hopefully that'll help me, you know, create a, a, a practice and training syllabus and curriculum that's going to be fit the people I'm working with. Great. So.
1: Um, I think yeah, we're talking a lot, and it's interesting you mentioned there about the side corner. So mm-hmm. a lot of our coach education, whether it's main <coughs> or specialisms now. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting to look at, at people in four corners rather than just the one corner which you talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and there's been a real shift in, in, in sort of tradition as we said from mm. that technical and tactical corner. Just for the from that goalkeeping point of view, how important is that sight corner to, to to work in?
2: Well it's it's massive because you know as a goalkeeper you you're there to be shot at. And you know, I always I always say to anybody that, that, that wants to be a goalkeeper, you've got to have a thick skin because it, although it's a team sport, the goalkeeper is very much an individual position. So, you know, we, we've got to operate and work a little bit differently. Um, so I think the great thing, you know, hopefully for the people that I work with, the goalkeepers specifically that I work with, you know, they're, they're working with somebody that's had all those experiences, that's been there and done it. And, and any, I would like to think that most, you know, any situation, scenario that they come across, I'd like to think that more times than not I can come up with the answers for them, because I, I've, I've, I've felt that. Um, so, you know, they can throw things at me and I can try and get them through a certain situation. But I think the key thing with the psych side, we're all different, we're all wired differently, and we all uh, interpret things in a different way and we all react to things in a different way. But I think what I, what I try and do is strip it right back and just look at the individual. All the goalkeepers I work with, they're all individuals. So, for me, it's about finding and, and, and learning about them, connecting with them, but also then finding the mechanisms that's going to give them the opportunity to be the best that they can be. Now, my management and, and the psych side is huge. We'll all have different mechanisms that we use to deal with situation, but it's finding the individual's mechanisms. That i get that excited about because they that's an individual that we're working with and we're preparing them and giving them the the tools to go and be the best they can be individually and that's where i think it's important about connection is about learning about somebody finding out what makes them tick and then working with them to enable them to be the best they can be
1: fantastic i suppose we strayed slightly away from from what we were planning on talking about to start with but um, really important it brings us nicely into probably one of the key roles you've held um, was probably the England Futsal goal ki- yeah. national goalkeeper role mm-hmm. um, I know you've travelled the world with them yeah. um, would you just for, for those that haven't uh, maybe seen Futsal or been, been involved or been aware of the Futsal game and, and where that's gone just describe that role for us as head of of goalkeeping for the footse- England futsal squad, and and probably what the role entailed and where you've been with it, if that's okay, Tony.
2: <coughs> yeah, of course. I mean, again, you know, I took the role when <coughs> futsal wasn't really on many people's radar. It was, I would, I would suggest it was even sort of ridiculed and laughed at a little bit. Um, and, and in all honesty, you know, in those early days, you know, the, you know, the people trying to get the thing going put in, you know, an unbelievable amount of effort to get the game to where it is today. So I, I never forget those foundations that were put in by the likes of Gray and Dell and the committee and people that were running the game. <coughs> and a lot of the times they, they ended up, you know, banging their heads against a brick wall because there was just nowhere for them to go with it. Um, you know, they struggled <coughs> excuse me. They struggled, you know, in terms of of getting a blend of, of the right players together and, and and going into the international arena. It was quite tough, you know, the results were, were quite harsh at times you know so when i I, you know i was party to that you know my first experiences was a you know i'd had a couple of training camps and we went to hungary for a world championship qualifier i think and in the first three games we played i think we lost and and correct me i'll I'll have to look this up but i'm sure it was something like we lost 10-2 to poland we lost 15-0 to hungary and 4-1 to macedonia and i got on the flight on the way home, and i'm thinking what am i doing here but ultimately, I thought, no, this is a real challenge. Now I've got to try and uh, affect this, and um, you know, over the next three or four years, you know, there was changes obviously within the system and everything else. But you know, we eventually got to grips with it and um, and move the program forward into the, the great position that it's currently in now, and and it will continue to evolve. But the role, the role for me was basically to start from scratch. There was nothing. There was no um, goalkeeping program. There was no goalkeeper coach education program. Um, you know, so basically, what I had to try and do was was really profile what a futsal goalkeeper was, what it looked like, what the individual looked like and and what we were looking for when we were bringing um goalkeepers in because again, we had to bring them in from mainstream football we couldn 't just go oh that 's a good goalkeeper for futsal. we had to try and you know we, we trial people and we tested to see if they were, were were you know would fit the game, so you know that was the first thing and then obviously. You know i was the only coach doing it there's there nobody else in the country that was doing you know in, in, in any you know to a level any kind of futsal um, goalkeeper coaching so you know we had to then think about well if there's only me how can we drive a program so you know we, we got one or two people on other people on board other coaches on board i think the big the big event for me in terms of, of futsal and people really taking notice and that wasn't just for the goalkeeping side i think it was for the game in, itself. in in 2013 the FA uh, hosted at St George's its first ever goalkeeping conference and I was invited uh, onto the conference, it was a two day conference and an unbelievable honour for me, I, I opened up the conference, we were first on and uh, I did a massive talk in front of about 400 attendees in the, in the big room at St George's which basically was a theoretical presentation on futsal, the game and, and the goalkeeping side. And then I did nearly a two-hour presentation in the futsal hall. And what I did that day, it was probably a masterstroke. And it's just one of them things when you think sometimes are you doing the right thing or not. I I brought the three England goalkeepers in with me from the futsal squad. And we basically put on a session that I would put on for them. Um, You know, in in any training camp. A lot of technical detail around the specifics of of the, the role of the goalkeeper. But it was all technical stuff. There was no game element and we literally blew the audience away um, I, I remember because we, we finished the session and I couldn't get out the hall for about 45 minutes after because of the amount of people that were coming up to me, the goalkeepers asking us questions and, and talking to us and and literally we we just the landscape changed and, and people might not ever look at that and go well that was a game changer but it was for me it was a massive game changer and it's no coincidence now that a lot of goalkeeper coaches, and a lot of them were on that conference, now um, in their syllabuses and in their curriculums lo- use um, aspects of the goalkeeper's skill set like saves with the feet, lateral split, uh, the new blocking technique that everybody's talking about. It's not new, by the way. We've been using it in futsal for 10 years. So it's not something that's strange to me. It's flavour of the month the minute. But i I know in my own heart that that 2013 conference that was a game changer and uh if that was for the betterment of futsal in this country then for me that that's what it was about and uh so you know eventually you know um i ended up traveling the world i think i did four world championship qualifying tournaments three european championship qualifying tournaments numerous you know that i can't i can't remember all of them trips Around the world, you know, Qatar. We went to Libya just before the troubles played there. Um, you know, I've been to all the, all the continents with with, with futsal and um, traveling with the England squad and working with those boys. Because you got to remember, they don't get paid. You know, they 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 do it as an honorary thing. So, um, you know, working with them and 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 being part of that system and dragging the the game by the scruff of the neck to get it to where it is today and setting up a goalkeeping program that. You know that we'd never had, and giving the the game an opportunity to get exposure to so many more people, from my point of view, was a fantastic honour, and uh, it's one I shall never forget.
1: Fantastic. I mean, it, it is. I can just sitting here listen, um, listening, listening mm. to really. It's a real passion of yours, really. I see, and yeah. and something that you li- really, really do believe in, which yeah. is really important. And mm. I know from the positions you've been in, you will have worked with. Some probably big influences on how how you know currently work. Um, <coughs> yeah. We're we're talking a lot at this moment in time um, on our courses with coaches, yeah. grassroots coaches, whether it's in football or whether it's in the mainstream, mm. around um, this philosophy idea of this philosophy, and and mm. often we're seeing that it's come from influences over people. And yeah. um, just could you uh, just try and summarise sort of some of the biggest influences on your on on that people have had on your coaching career, and maybe who these individuals are.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, look, the the, ga- the the game's changing, coaching's changing, the way we coach is changing. It's not what it was, you know, even 10 years ago. You know, there's so much difference now in the way we work with people, the way we connect with people and the way we deliver. So the environment and, and sort of the, the the way I was brought up in, in, in coaching is totally different now to what it was then. So I think... Uh, wh- My issue, my problem could have been that I couldn't adapt, but I've had to. That's the only way that I've been able to stay involved in the game and to stay modern, yeah, with the modern way that I have is because I've been adaptable. And I think working across the different formats has helped me do that. Um, If I can adapt on that, then I can can adapt my styles and and the way I connect and and the way I coach. Um, In terms of influences, you know, look, I mean, I went to the national school. So, you know, um, when it was first um, created, uh, Bobby Robson's uh, brainchild, in, in, it started in 1984. I was one of the first ever group. Um, so, you know, when you look back to those days, you know, I was influenced by Bobby Robson. Um, you know, he came, he wasn't on site with us because we were there for two years at Lillyshaw. Um, but he, he came in probably over that period about 10 or 12 times to work with us as a group. Um, his on-site sort of head man who was there with us every day was Dave Sexton who obviously was at Manchester United Chelsea and you know a fantastic coach um, my sort of direct contact at there my goalkeeper coach it was probably the first time I'd ever had proper goalkeeper coaching was a goalkeeper coach called Mike Kelly it was a huge influence on me and his attention to detail was second to none and you know, I've still got massive respect for him um, you know, from, from from those those years and 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 what he's done in the game. You know, he was basically Roy Hodgson's right hand man as he moved through right. I think Mike's uh, retired now, but he did a lot of um, work with uh, Roy Hodgson. But he was Bobby Robson's goalkeeper coach. Um, you know, during the the World Cup in, in Italy and all that. So, um, so you know, he was a massive influence on me there. I think you know we we then got the opportunity to work with other coaches, goalkeeper coaches. Alan Hodgkinson came in and did a couple of days. Uh, Paul Barron came in, you know. So, you know, for those that know goalkeeping, that you know, those guys will be um, quite well known to those um, to the goalkeeping fraternity. I moving forward into my career, um, you know, it was a lot of ups and downs, uh, and, I, and, I, and I worked around a lot of good practice, but I also worked around a lot of bad practice that nowadays would probably just, you know, the coach wouldn't last two seconds. Um, but you know. Ian Bowyer sort of gave me my first big break in football, in terms of you know playing. He he took me from Birmingham to Hereford, and he he sort of trusted in me as a young kid. I was only nineteen, I think. Threw me in the first team, and and that gave me my my grounding in football. Um, So he was a big influence, you know. he, He won you know European cups with, as it was in them days, it's Champions League now, but he won European cups with Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest, you know. So fantastic knowledge he had and, and, and he shared some of that with us you know um <coughs> i think then moving forward from there i mean obviously you know I, I loved and had great times here at carlisle with mick wadsworth um you know mick was a a, a regional coach for a, for the fa when i was at the national school so i'd spent quite a lot of time around mick anyway when i was a youngster so when i got the opportunity to work with him at carlisle um you know that was that was fantastic and uh you know the years we had there when we had the success in the mid 90s was, was brilliant and I then, you know, obviously i went on to, to to work for him again when he uh, he took me up to scarborough at the, the back end of my career so i played for mick twice um in terms of you know that would be sort of playing in terms of coaching i've met a lot of people and i've worked with a lot of people i think pete Sturgis, uh who I, you know was uh i get a bit of a tingle when i when i, I mention that name because we, we're very close me and pete and, that, and that's not in a you know in a, in a, <laughs> a wrong kind of sense but um, you know I was Pete's goalkeeper coach of the futsal squad for for nearly all of those 10 years and uh, we went through a lot together and, and we shared a lot and um, you know his, his way of working and, and his philosophy and his connection and the way he delivers you know for me it's a fantastic way and for what he's done with the foundation phase with the FA is, is nothing short of uh, of astronomical you know we I think if if that fella don't get a knighthood then I don't know who who should Um, but he's been a massive influence on me and and I I thank him for for sharing all those years with me and it's just a shame I don't get that much chance to work with him now because we've obviously gone our separate ways and and do what we do Um, you know and there's other people within the FA you know Keith Webb who was was my uh, you know the coach with me for the the CP squad and we went to Rio together we had some fantastic times but and also um you know a gentleman called Keith Mayer who, who who I met um, when I was working with the Lancashire FA, and I went down to do my youth mods, and, and Keith was delivering, and and he absolutely rocked me world, you know, in terms of the way to work with people and 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 to to think about others, and and, and Keith was a big part in me getting the the CP job because he obviously recommended me for that role, and uh, you know once I'd uh, you know been given the opportunity. Um, to speak to the, the relevant parties. They they offer me the job, but Keith was a big part in that. And then you know, I think from the different formats, there's there's people within the formats that have great knowledge. John Pugh head coach of the blind squad, you know, brilliant tactician, knows his stuff inside out. I've learned so much from him. Mike Skubala was now uh, was the assistant coach with the foot squad, is now the head coach. You know, again, Mike and I have known each other for a long time, and, and we've bounced a lot of stuff off each other. big big influence so over the years i've had great opportunity working with the fa and and working in club football to to be in contact with a lot of different people and listen there'll be a lot more that i haven't mentioned there and and forgive me those that i haven't mentioned you know but they know who they are and and who i've connected with and they've all played a major part Um, but i've just shared with you just a few of those people there
1: Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna pick you up on one name because he's a name that's prevalent throughout and i know you're really good friends Mm. with him Um you mentioned that the sort of hair stand up on you when you mentioned Pete. Yeah. Um, so Pete, um, national lead for five to 11's currently. Mm. Um, he is coming into our County um, on the 16th of, of April to deliver mm. a, a workshop for us. Yeah. Um, what is it about Pete that, that, that makes Pete Pete? Because we <coughs> present a lot on our courses. We use a lot of his videos and mm. I've, had, I've been fortunate to watch him probably a handful of times yeah. and, if you're ever falling out of love of football, yeah. um, I always say if you can go and watch Pete work, mm. you come away going, "Wow, that I love football again." What is it about Pete? That-
2: well, well, one of the big sort of things that I, I you know, that, that I think about and when I'm, when I'm you know, going to be around people is, is connection, and I think connection is probably the most important thing in any walk of life, let alone football. If you can't connect with somebody in the right way, you never. Ever going to be close to them or, or expect them to, to sort of learn from you or take information up or even just have a conversation with you. I think mean, Pete has got that down to a fine art. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, we, we did, I think it was the, the last Futsal conference, and we had a group of players come in, right? And this is how, how clever he is and how good he was, right? There was, must have been a group of about 16 players. He'd never met them before. Within 20 minutes, he knew every one of the names. Every one of them, by looking at him, he'd know the name. And I'm like, how have you done that? But this was just the way he did it. That was his manner. He, that, that's an art, you know, to, to connect that quickly and and to be able to sort of then move on um, to what next with people. It, it, it takes something to be able to do that. So I think the way, the way in which Pete is, is able to connect with people, I think his attention to detail is fantastic. You know... You know what he's done with the the dna stuff at the fa with the foundation fantastic you know and that's he's played a major part in bringing all that together and i think you know what he he just cares about people and i think if you care about people you'll share what you got with them and i think that's what he does again another term i use i love love to share and care and i think pete does that in in a a fantastic way He, he cares so much about people that allows him To have the capability to be able to go and share what he has with them and and that's that's why i've always loved working
1: with him yeah i I mean we weren't i wasn't to be fair planning on talking i knew pete would come up in this uh, in this podcast Mm -hmm. um but i think it's important that that people see pete work on a national scale Um, and it's interesting to really hear Mm -hmm. that is it is it what we see on the on the camera is that pete Mm -hmm. and i think it's probably more fitting description that Mm -hmm. you've gave there that Mm -hmm. that he cares and, and that's the that's the major thing that we're certainly seeing now Mm -hmm. just just moving on from that um you've had major experience i know in in all the fields Mm. would you share probably one of your most memorable coaching experiences that you've had with people is there any that really stand out in Mm. with yourself
2: yeah i think uh, look you know I, I, i retired when i was 30 so Coaching was kind, I wouldn't say it was forced on me. I knew where I was going to go, so I was preparing myself, you know, for whenever my career finished. So, but I've been coaching a long time. I probably got in terms of footballers when they finish. You know, footballers will play to the, you know, the late thirties. So, I had kind of ten years advance on a lot of footballers that that were then going to be coaches. So, you know, I've been coaching for properly now for nearly nearly twenty years. You know, so I've had so many fantastic. You know experiences and, and wonderful opportunities to to share and care with people you know I already alluded to one about you know the goalkeeping conference i mean you know i i i did all four you know they did four from twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen so to be invited on those um you know and and to go and deliver futsal to the masses um you know that's a fantastic honor i think the pinnacle probably you know uh, and, and and you know this year I went to um uh, Germany to Berlin with the uh, blind squad and we won a bronze medal we finished third um you know and we we maybe could have got to the final and even won it if we'd have had a bit more luck um twenty fifteen we went to the world blind games in Korea and we silver medal against Argentina but I think probably the biggest um you know uh accolade for me or the, the you know the <sighs> it, I think it would have to be real. You know, um, Rio was just something that we we sort of had a, a a plan for for four years from London. We you know th- we wanted to get to Rio with the CP squad, um, and and we we driven the team forward. You know, Keith Webb and myself, and uh, you know, we put a plan together. So to actually get there was fantastic. But until we were there, you didn't really realise what a, a monumental occasion and, and, and experience it was going to be. Just to be there in in, in Brazil and. Um, you know, to be at the Olympic Village and and be around that, and and just to be in the city of Rio when everything was a buzz and there was so much going on, and you kind of got caught up in that sometimes. You know, although we were there to focus and try and win a medal, um, there was just loads of other things that you got a little bit distracted by. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to say that because who wouldn't? You know, it's just it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and you know, the Olympic Village was just amazing. You know, just to be there and, and to see all the other athletes and. You know, it, the food all was like the size of an aircraft hangar. It was just ridiculous. You know, you just, it, but you can't really explain it unless you're there. It's hard to. Um, so in terms of, you know, coaching experiences. Um, you know, then for me, Rio would probably have to be. You know, the biggest um, thing for me, in, in, you know, personally, um, achievement. I would suggest. I think in terms of, you know, coaching. Um, something that gave me great pleasure was in in 2015 I was um, awarded the disability of the coach um, award by the FA um, you know for me work with the blind squad and the CP squad so I was really really humbled by that um, and that was a lovely occasion that, that Tracy and I attended the the ceremony at st um, at George's Park and uh, you know I, I was I was surprised and, and, and honored to, to be given that award you know after the work I've done I, you know I've been around it two or three years and my work had been recognised that much that they, they found it within themselves to award me the disability of the coach um, uh, 2015 award. So that, that that was a great honour. I think just going back to Rio, you know, it wasn't just about Rio as well. I mean, when we got back, you know, I, I was living in Manchester last year, as you know, and in October we had um, the parade uh, and I was invited and I actually went on the parade. Uh, I was on an open top bus. We got soaked by the way, that's not <laughs> typical of Manchester, is it? But, um, yeah, we had a massive ceremony. You know, I went um, on the stage in front, uh, you know, in front of hundreds of thousands of people. I me mean, to represent your country and to be recognized like that, you know, that, but those are the experiences that coaching's given me. And, you know, I'm absolutely humbled that those things get, get bestowed upon me. Which, you know, so but Rio, Rio would be the big one, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I, I can see, um, I sort of when you're when you're sitting and listening and I've been involved in coaching for, for a few years now, mm. it's sort of quite admirable that you're listening sitting hearing some of the things that you've done. Mm. Um how have these experiences really shaped who you are? What have yeah. what, what have the experiences <coughs> given you that you think actually, um I I, I talk a lot I'm fortunate to work mm. with a lot of grassroots mm. coaches now and talk a lot about what you looks like. Um, yeah. so 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 what does Tori look about? What What are these experiences giving you that have helped you shape who you are?
2: Well, I think I think uh, you know, the first thing, James. Look, all these things I'm talking about, I, I never talk about these to impress people. It, it's just for me, it's to impress upon people that if you apply yourself, if you work hard, if you, you do your due diligence, and, and you're driven, but you also along the way remember your, your roots and why you got to where you got to then that creates the person that you are. That's what has created the person I am. I'd like to think that all the experiences I've had over the years, both as a player and a coach, in particular as a player when I was working with you know, a lot of different coaches, some good, some not so good, that when I work with players now, I get it. I understand how people want to be treated. We're human beings, and we just want to be treated like people you know, and, and given respect. Okay, at the end of the day, we're not always going to do things perfectly. But we don't set out to not do them perfectly. You know, mistakes happen, things go wrong. But I think the way in which we deal with people and the manner in which we deliver our message is is vitally important. And I think that's what shaped me. Dragging all those experiences from all the different people that I've I've been exposed to over the years has just helped me mould and shape a way of, of working with people and coaching now it might not be to some people's liking, but at the end of the day, that's me. I, I can't and will not change, you know, to be a different way and, and do it the way somebody else wants me to do it. I know with the results I've had and the success that I've had and the roles that I've had, I'd like to think I'm doing it right. Otherwise I wouldn't have had those opportunities. So, you know, all I would say is, you know, if, if you want to achieve something, anything is possible. As long as you work hard, you do your due diligence. Um, you know, just keep your head down, don't rock the boat, and and just enjoy what you do. And I think for me, that's that's you know, it's it's not about ego. You know, I I don't live a lavish lifestyle. I've not made a fortune from the game. I'm com- you know we, we're comfortable. You know we live here in, in Carlisle. We enjoy it. But uh, you know I don't live in a massive house. You know, I've not got a, a Bentley on the drive or anything else. And it, it never has been a bit about that for me. It's not ever been about how much money can I make in my life. It's how much I can affect people. And that's been key to me and, and, and affect people in a positive way. And if I go out of this world knowing that I've affected, you know, as many people as I possibly can in a positive way, then I'll go out and happy, man.
1: I'm sat here I'm trying to write some notes because there's some words, words that come out there that... Um, I suppose there's been a real shift in now how we how we look at players as people um I'm just writing some notes down there, so um, manner um, being human beings affect people respect um enjoy it uh, from the roots and, and 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 in in summary really you summarized it quite well at the end there where you said it's not about that ego it's not about the you and and everything you've spoke about there is really about others yeah. and 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 that's sort of really. Nice to hear, and I suppose where the messages we're trying to give at the moment is that um, let's put the ego (laughs) in a box somewhere and and let's come and try and help people. And as a grassroots coach listening in, it's really nice to hear that somebody that has worked probably at the top level in their field um, for so many years still thinks about these things.
2: Well, I think you've got to, James. I mean, look, you know, I'm fortunate enough now, again, Not to impress people, but you know, I'm delivering goalkeeping level ones and twos. I'm now on the tutor workforce for the foot cell level ones and twos. I'm now on the workforce for the coaching disabled footballers courses. A lot of people that come on those courses, I could be because quite they're all most of them are open ended. I could be their first point of contact with a form of coaching. Now, if I don't deliver the message in the right way. It could put them off for life. It could change their outlook on football and coaching forever. So I've got to get it right. Now, that again, that comes down to connection and delivery and, and a whole host of other things. But it's not just about them. If I, if, if a coach comes into a course with me, that coach literally, and, I, and, I, and I'll use a goalkeeping level one as an example. So normally on a goalkeeping level one, we'd have ten or twelve candidates or attendees, learners, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, but they're there to take from the course and take from me so the connection and everything else we've talked about but the the information and the detail and the knowledge that I share with those people is going to not just affect them as an individual one goalkeeper coach could be working with uh, a club and they could have half a dozen goalkeepers in that club and a couple of coaches that he will then go and and give that information there's eight people so the next coach he could be working or working towards working in an academy he's working with 10 or 12 goalkeepers there's another 10 or 12 and so on and so forth so within that room let's say you've got 10 12 candidates i literally could be delivering a message to hundreds of people not just that individual so if i don't get it right for that one person i ain't getting it right for those hundreds And that for me is the forever challenge now so when coaches deliver when tutors deliver don't we can't just think now about that course it's what goes away from the course what message is delivered by individuals and how are they doing it i mean what context are they sharing the knowledge and that's where i think sometimes a lot of tutors coaches get it wrong because that first point of contact they don't get it right and the amount of people that have said to me you know we, we wish we could have been on a course with you as our first, because that that was how we wanted it. That's what we expected, but it wasn't quite like that. Now I can't legislate for that. All I can do is do it the way I do it, and try and get it right for those individuals, yeah. um, you know, that I work with when I first contact with them.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose really really important point to pick up there, and and something that in the last sort of eighteen months um, with the FA they they brought about a change where it was to. Um, basically not cancel but, but put everybody's license up for grabs yeah. again so um i know um through going through a, a process myself that mm. that basically everybody was there's no tutors now mm. let's try and get exactly what you're talking about there this mm. we need the right people delivering the right messages yeah. and um i know um that there was tutors that mm. um maybe didn't get a license mm. renewed mm. Um probably down to a lot of things you talk about there about um we need to make sure with it that people understand people and the message is right that's not to say that a that did not get the license wasn't um right for it but at this moment in time um they made a decision the fa that actually Mm. um this is what we need exactly what you're talking about there so Mm. it's nice to hear that you still um Mm. that from a national point of view as well that you're still thinking that that that's still important because it is
2: we've got to think about people We've got to think about people. We've got to get it right. We've got to deliver the message in the right way. Yes, it's about the detail. It's about the knowledge, and you know, obviously we're working in mainstream football. The, the DNA drives everything we do, and obviously it gets spread across the squads. But um, you know, and that message will, will be a continual um, delivery now. But I think it, more important is that we engage in the right way, and and we, whenever I deliver, I want people enthused. I want them enjoying it. I want smiles on faces when I'm walking away from courses going, I wish I could do that again. Not fearing, I've got to get assessed or I'm not sure about that. I, I'm afraid to go and ask a question. No, this shouldn't be like that. We it should we should be open and, and, and be able to work with people and give them as much as we possibly can to make them the best that they can be.
1: Yeah, Um going to swing it right back around because I know um, you said there about the goalkeeper and fraternity. Mm. I know the Futsal fraternity as well will be, um, everybody will know you that's involved in Futsal, certainly in England. Mm. Um, One thing I did want to pick up from yourself was, you mentioned it was your first experience of the game earlier on. Mm. Um, What is it about Futsal that really excites you?
2: Um, It's indoor and it's warm. (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. Uh, The summer year it's great, because it is that, actually. It's indoor and it's warm. I think uh, when as I said to you, when I first got involved, I, I just loved the the nature of the game. It's fast, it's exciting, there's constant contact. You, you can't take your eyes off it for a second because there's always something happening. I think for the goalkeeper's point of view, that's why I love it because the goalkeeper can never switch off. I think mean, in mainstream football, sometimes the goalkeeper can have a bit of a wonder. You know their mind can drift because they're not in direct contact with the game. Distances are bigger and so on, especially in eleven v eleven. You know, um, but I think you know. And again, you you look at 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 the game of futsal. We are still quite new to it here. I mean, you got to remember that futsal originated in South America in I think the nineteen twenties. You know, going into the thirties in in a in a format not like it is now, but it, that's when it was first sort of thought about and, and created. So we we're still. A long long way behind those big hitters you know from from South America and parts of Europe that have been playing it for decades, so we're very much on catch up but even now you know we, we we've got the national league you know we've we've got so many more um people playing the game recreationally um and, and having opportunity and getting exposure to the game but it, it, it just the amount of contacts on the ball for individuals everybody's involved you know so you, you, as I said you can't switch off there's loads of, of contact with the ball fast and furious more times than not there's lots of goals which isn't great for the goalkeepers obviously but you know, the goalkeepers not always at fault but I think it, is, it, it can be if it's done in the right way it, it can be a very complex strategical and, and tactical game so it is a little bit like a, a chess game sometimes and I find that quite intriguing because it really does challenge you you know, and um, every game is a different game. You've, you've got to, you've got to really, uh, your perception skills have got to be phenomenal because you've really got to quickly fathom out the opposition and what, what their game plan is. So, but that happens in close quarters. So I think just the, the the speed and nature of the game, the excitement it brings, the challenges it brings for the coach in terms of the tactical, strategical side. Um, you know that that's what really attracts me to the sport, and I think that's why it's growing so much in this country because it it is structured. Um, you know, it's not Keystone Cops on a on a pitch on a court. It's structured, it's disciplined, and, and I think that's why I love it so much. You know.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose you you look at now the opportunities that a young player has. Mm. So the various formats of the game, the <coughs> the FA set about a youth review and changed the format. So we went from. 11v11 11 11 to 5v5, 7v7, 9v now. Now a format that fits probably the <clears> age <throat> age and maturation of players. Um, yeah. How we ever played, probably when we grew up, a 10-year-old on an 11v11 11 11 yeah. pitch, yeah. I'll not know. Um, yeah. But you look at these opportunities now, and futsal plays a part now in a lot of the grassroots mm. Mm. Um, game. What what do you believe it gives that young player? So I wrote some key things down that, I, that, that I'd like to pick up on. Um, contacts on the ball. Yeah. You said it was complex, strategic, um, and you mentioned speed an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. So, what what does it give that young player? Do we well, do... The,
2: the the best way I can describe it? What do you see when you look at Ronaldo? What do you see when you look at Messi? You know, I, I see players with great ball skill, with speed of movement, great awareness, being able to deal with the ball under immense pressure. Um, and, and obviously you know their, their tactical awareness is fantastic so you know they know when there's a little pocket of space that they can go into or they, they can't go into and so on and so forth these are all the things that these great players do without even thinking now it's no coincidence that in their upbringing they play futsal the Barcelona way you know I, I had the honor and privilege of going and spending a week with Barcelona futsal club in about three years ago um, Now Barcelona's futsal club is actually part of the Barcelona football family um, as well as well it's a sports institution you know they've got the futsal team attached to it, they've got the basketball, they've got handball and various other sports. Now every, every player at Barcelona gets the opportunity to play futsal during their development so I think twice a week if they're involved in the football club they play futsal. They've got contact with the futsal ball and and it just enhances their skill set. It's not a threat to football. You know, and I'm not going to say, and I think it's a little bit unfair to say that it's just a development tool for football. It's not. It's a sport in its own right. It's a fantastic game. Spain has a professional league. Barcelona futsal club is a separate team, although it's involved and around the Barcelona um, sport family. They have a professional futsal team. So, you know, the, the, the sport is a fantastic way of playing another format in the game um, but that's what it, for me that's what it gives the player it gives that speed of thought speed of movement um, capability very much of playing with both feet because you've got to be able to do that on a futsal court because you'll find yourself on all areas of, of the court um, and I think just that that ability to you know playing transition all the time, so you, you, one minute you count counting the next second you've lost the ball you, you're transitioning to defending and there's so much going on and you've you've got to constantly be thinking about what next you can't switch off for a moment but I think you know just that speed of awareness perception you know recognizing the capability of your teammates and the opponent you know what's the threat and so on and so forth um and I, and I just think the the ball itself creates that opportunity to get. Lots more time on the ball, you know, because it's a little bit heavier as we, as we know, and and it keeps the ball on the, uh, you know, more times than not on the floor. So the players are constantly getting touches on the ball, which is fantastic. Um, so for me, that, that's that's what it will give the modern player, and that's what it does give them. But it's not a threat to football, and I think that's the mindset we've got to get out of. It never will be. Football is always going to be the big sport in this country. futsal will help us create better, more capable players
1: yeah and i and i just want to continue on that point because i think that's really important i think um probably from both sides rightly or wrongly mm. um so if you're a, a the, the sort of 5 a 5 7v7 traditional grassroots mm. coach or the, or the futsal coach yeah. um i i get the impression from working within it there's there's quite a lot of competition between the two and mm. and it's what replaces what and <coughs> i think that's really really key to think of it that way that actually it's not about replacing no. it's about um, I can probably um help you and you can help me take yes. take
2: work i 've already mentioned the word James ego, yeah, if we can get the ego out the door right and and listen our our philosophies on life and everything right so but if we can get rid of ego and understand the benefits for all from both, then the world will be a better place. The games will be a better place it 's never going to be a threat to football. Football is always going to be the big sport in this country. It will never change. If we embrace futsal and we bring it into our programmes, all that will happen is the players will get more opportunity to play because they ain't going to have to worry about winter and not having games and games getting cancelled and everything else. They'll have capability of going indoors and playing futsal. But what we're going to do is we're going to add to their skill set. And wouldn't that be fantastic? So I'm not saying we'll create a hybrid player. All we'll do is we'll add more to the skill set of a football player by giving them a chance to get on the futsal court. And the more people that can buy into that, the quicker we'll continue to develop, you know, more capable, able players to go on the football pitch.
1: Yeah, great. I, I, we're going to try and move it on slightly because yeah, I think we could talk and, and <laughs> listening to you, I know you could talk all day about yeah, futsal course. and that's really I told you re- never <laughs> really nice to hear you. Yeah. Um, I suppose when I was thinking of planning this uh, <coughs> podcast, it was the chance to sit down with somebody that has um, been involved with, with the national team. So we mm-hmm. see a lot, um, we've seen a lot about England DNA and things coming out of, mm-hmm. of England now. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I, I, I was really interested in trying to get to, to grips with. Um, we talk a lot about environment on, on our coach education courses now, whether that be level one, level two, level mm-hmm. three. Um, I suppose in all the courts, whether that's goalkeeping or futsal, environment plays a massive part mm-hmm. um, would you be able to share some sort of insight into the type of environments that you, uh, Pete, yeah. the, the other skip, yeah. tried to create in, in the national team with with it
2: I, I think it's now very open I think, you know it's not one size fits all, I think we've, we've, it's got to now, be, for me especially working with squads, it's, it's got to be a shared experience um, <clears throat> that's between all staff and player um, not just the coaching staff but the medical staff the S&C you know S&C plays a massive part in in the design of practice now in, in the con- not control of practice but timings of practice and so on and so forth the medical side you know because obviously the, the players you know, they're athletes, we have to look after them. So, their, their uh, you know, recovery and preparation for, ga- for games and for practice is, is vitally important. So, we have to buy into you know, what, the, what the medical guys are telling us now. So, but the environment is, is very much of an open learning environment. I think, as I said to you, you know, when I was brought up, you kind of you walked on a pitch, you listened to one guy talk for two hours, and then you went off the pitch. <laughs> but now it's not, it's different. It's very much a shared experience. The players have such an input now into the way yes they do in terms of session design not not a a huge amount but obviously when we're going through the process of practice the players are very much now encouraged to reflect and review on on what we do that's both on the pitch and off the pitch so i think as coaches now we we do have to be very open but we also have to be ready for um challenge you know i think that the 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 players will challenge now they they want to be the best they can be so if the players challenge, then we have got to have the answers, and and you know that's the important thing. So we have to be upskilling and 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 you know continuing to evolve and develop our knowledge as coaches all the time because the players are ever evolving. They want more uh, more answers, they want more options, uh, you know, because they're faced with so many more different scenarios now. And again, for me, you know the challenge is I, I can be one minute working at Carlisle United with an academy goalkeeper, the next minute I'm working with a world class international be one blind football goalkeeper doing a session with him the next day so (coughs) literally i can go from one extreme to the other and have to face delivery in those two different totally different environments but also working hand in hand to make sure that the experiences that both individuals uh, have are, are the best that it can possibly be but managing that now, you know, I, I, I do it without even thinking about it, you know, some people look at, it, well, how'd you go from you know, maybe working with eight, nine-year-old, then suddenly you're working with a, <coughs> you know, a twice Paralympian and I'm like, well, because that's what I do. That's the way I've learned to do it and, and you do, you, 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 you understand and, and it's, I, I go back all the time to connection. It's how you connect with people. What do you know about them? How well do you know them? What makes them tick? What do they need to, to, to be the best they can be and how can you help them through that process? and that that's the way I operate and work and, and that's for me the, the the way the way forward that's in terms of environments that's the way it is now it's open it's it's honest because we're accountable for everything you know in the in the, in the current light of what's going on so you know terminology is vitally important um, in, in the way we connect and, and, and address people so you know as I say it's got to be one of of and and openness and um An opportunity to to go and express and that for me is the best way to do it.
1: It's interesting because listening there, um, we've just finished a a block one of the level two at Whitehaven and a lot of things you spoke about there Mm. um, certainly came out on the course so you talked there about you could be delivering (laughs) in two different scenarios (laughs) an academy goalkeeper under nines coach with a Mm. a B1 um, twice Paralympian whatever there may be Mm. Um, but the interesting bit was, I think there's some commonalities between what you're saying yeah. there, because you were yeah. saying um, it's got to be open learning, yeah. Um, yeah. shared experience, mm-hmm. and there's got to be an element of reflection and review. Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose them them sort of things probably don't don't change do they? No, no.
2: I, think, I think the key thing is right, and, and I alluded to it earlier. I, I've I've played, I've been there, I've done it. You know, I've, you know, I've played in massive stadiums in front of hundreds of of people, whatever, and and and, and felt it so feeling is vitally important I could imagine all the different scenarios in the world but I've never felt them but I know that I have yeah. so many in different ways um, and that's why it's important when you're working with you know, those individuals that you actually involve them in the process because they're in those moments they're the ones feeling not us, they're doing it they're on the pitch. They're going through the process. They're having to deal with what's going on, not us. We see it, but we're not feeling it. So I think the important thing is that what we f- what we see, we share, what they feel, they're allowed to share. And for me, that that's the key to it. And then that's where I think you get your best end product. If it's a one way thing, then you're gonna have problems because it just won't work as has been proven. Over the years, so I think now that's where we're evolving towards, and I think we've just got to be prepared to adapt and and maybe change if we need to.
1: Yeah, it's. It, it, I, I suppose it. I'm sat here really with a smile on my face because yeah. a lot of the things that that you're saying, and this is from the top level, um, being at that top level and working with yeah. these elite players, yeah. um, it's nice to hear that actually what we are doing down at grassroots level, yeah. are the key messages we're trying to get across. Yeah. They haven't changed, they're still, regardless of whether you're yeah. working with the best goalkeeper in that, that field, or the grassroots goalkeeper, sevens goalkeeper yeah. that's just yeah. turned up, he's got a pair of gloves off his mum and dad because he got them for Christmas and yeah. they yeah. think he might want to be a goalkeeper, um, we're still working with people, mm. and, and, and it's nice to hear you yeah. hear, well, hear both.
2: It has to be, we, we can't, it, I think, you know, look, uh, again, I, I'm honoured and, and privileged to be working at that level, but why... Why should it be any different, you know, if I'm, I said, working with a twice Paralympian, Olympian to working with, with, you know, a, a young goalkeeper, male or female, in, in a grassroots club? It, all they want to do is enjoy what they do. They want to be the best they can be. So th- my, my man and my way doesn't really need to change. The environment doesn't really need to change. They just want to be the best they can be and have the best experience they can have so but we're the ones at top end delivering the message all the way through so if we're not getting it right at the top it ain't going to be right at the bottom so i think you know we're we're there to be shot at now and a lot of as i said we're accountable for everything we say and do uh, and i think that's where where we're going you know in the current climate and uh, but that's where i think we've got to get it right and hopefully we are you know we're starting to get it right now and uh, the
1: benefits will be for all that's the hope anyway great uh, i suppose I, I mean i could sit here i think we could sit here and we yeah. could talk all day about various topics and, <laughs> and i'm sure um with this one we'll probably look at later on in the year we'll look um, at doing something else on, on maybe yeah. a slightly different topic mm-hmm. um because i do know how much yeah uh, how much you've done and we could sit like you said yeah, and, yeah. and talk all day i suppose it wouldn't be right of us to say the timing's probably quite important for this um yeah. i know you've recently launched a book yeah, I have. So, yeah. I didn't want to come here today yeah. not uh not try and help you plug plug, plug the book. Um but um yeah. I suppose it it's it's probably um for those that have enjoyed this a chance to to yeah. probably get a bit more detail to what what you've been saying. Just yeah. tell us a little bit about what the what the book involves.
2: Yeah, of course. Well, I was I, uh, I was approached uh <clears throat> about 18 months ago by a young author who was piecing together a book about goalkeeping and he asked me to Share some stuff with him around uh, futsal, around disabilities, and just you know, little, little little bits in the book, um, the anatomy of a goalkeeper by Adam Woody. So I did that, and then on the back of that, Adam and I had a chat, and and the interest in, in my my part in the book was, was was quite big. So Adam then approached me and said, "Well, what do you think about doing one of your own? You know, just you know about you and your story and whatever." And I I was kind of loath to do it because I again the ego side, I'm not an egotistical person and. I didn't know whether that was going down the wrong path, but in the end, I thought the logic side of me said, "Well, you've got so much to share in knowledge,s and experiences, and everything else. That it, why not?" And it and it was never an ego thing. It was just to sort of put stuff out there that if there's people out there that want to learn and want to, you know, find out about, you know, my um, findings and observations and learnings that I've had from all those years in coaching, then. I'm happy to share that with them, and it it is. I mean, the the book is called A Modern Approach to Goalkeeping. But what I don't want people to think about when they they hear that title is that it's just about goalkeeping. It's not. It's so much more than that. Obviously, goalkeeping has has been my life. It's been a major part of what I've done. But what I've done, what we've done with the book, and and it's a little bit different in the sense that when you open a book, it's just words. But the way Adam's constructed the book, because Adam, Adam was the, uh, the guy that pieced it all together. Obviously I did all the talking like I am now, but then he pieced it all together. Well, he's made it like a conversation. You're actually in a conversation with me and Adam when you read the book. So you, like, you know, loads and loads of people that read it, you know, i have come back to me and said it was literally like we're sitting in the room with you and we're listening to you and Adam talking, but we feel part of the conversation. And at any moment, we could probably chip in. So, but it, it you know, literally is. The, 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 the book is, is a little bit about my story, you know, about my, my humble beginnings in the game and, you know, my schoolboy days and things like that and how I got into the game and then a little bit around my professional life as a player. Um, but then, it, you know, it'll go, it goes into things, you know, when we really strip back and talk about ways and means of how to, to work as a coach. So, you know, and I've already alluded to quite a lot, and I, I won't say too many, because I, I wouldn't want to <laughs> put people off, because they've heard it all from me, I, but like connection, you know, working with people, you know, I, I work it across three different um, forms of disability and everyone is different, so you can't connect with, with people in the same way, so you've got to find mechanisms and ways of breaking down barriers, managing difference, and working with people, and that, that, that was one element of the book. You know and and there's the building relationships you know i've worked in some environments where it's absolute like hostile and and you can't get work done but some way you have to find a way to get through that to deliver what you need to do in terms of the the playing element and you know i talk about things like that um you know uh what else diversity you know and and you know you talked to me before about um you know, creating practice and things like that, and again, ch- challenging myself to think differently—not just to to like go on the internet or pick up a book and say and look at a session and go, oh yeah, I, I think I'll use that book. But, but why are you using it? Unless you, you've actually delivered it, how do you know what returns you're getting from that practice? You know, people do it all the time. You can go on the internet on YouTube, and there's millions of practices, and you can just grab that practice. But do you really know what you're delivering? So, in the book, you know, I, I talk about creating syllabus, about building curriculums, um, and listen, a whole host of other things. A lot of it is is quite philosophical, um, and my philosophy around coaching and football is in there as well, um, as well as a whole host of other things. So, the title kind of it doesn't really describe what what it actually the content um, contains. So I think if if there's a if there's a coach out there or pe or even parents you know but people that work in a working environment it doesn't have to be involved in sport you know i I'm, there's there's so much that people could learn from the book just from you know listening to my experiences and taking them on board and trying to then uh, work with other people around uh, around those experiences and and you know as I say we the book's gone global now um, you know it's gone around the world and I'm I'm pleased and proud to say that feedback's been fantastic and uh you know i've been asked what next so but at the <laughs> minute i'm just going to let this one go um but you know to those out there i don't know we i am doing a book signing um i don't know if anybody's aware but um waterstones carlisle have invited me in on christmas saturday the 23rd of, of december so i will be at um at waterstones in carlisle uh, from about 10:30 till about three or four o'clock i am going to have with me my um my uh Championship medal from my days at Carlisle, so that will be with me. I've also got a couple of shirts um, that I've kept that I've still got now uh, from my time at Carlisle. So if there's any Carlisle fans or any coaches that just want to come and have a moment of my time and maybe purchase a book to take away with them, then I'll be more than happy to uh, to spend some time with them on, on Saturday the twenty third in uh, Waterstones Carlisle.
1: That's great. I suppose um, I'm probably we'll 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 maybe save it for another one because I. I'm really interested around the the parts where you, you talked mm. about the uh picking up a practice we yeah. we hear it a lot and yeah. um we'll save it. I was listening to to be fair um Jack Walton who, who we spoke about prior to this yeah. gave us the the sort of inspiration around doing a podcast and yeah. um we thank Jack for that mm. um listening to him and and Ben Bartlett talk just yeah. literally coming over in the car to, right. to see ya right. um Ben's message was exactly the same cool. about um, from his podcast, what he'd done with Jack around. Mm. Um, it's not just about having a practice, it's probably understanding yeah. why you're doing it. Yeah. So what we'll try and do is probably save that for a, yeah. for a later oh. date, if that's all right. Um, I just want to try and draw to a close, because we could sit here and talk yeah. all day. <laughs> um, and, and, and I know it's Tony's day off, so yeah, um <laughs> <it> <laughs> is probably one day off that he's that he's got I know he's been at St George's uh, recently and I know he's worked with the academy so um I'll try and keep this short but just as a close um mm. we'll have we've talked a lot about the elite we've talked a lot yeah. about the um the sort of elite game and the, the that's the the area that you've been involved in mm. but we've got a lot of grassroots coaches in general across Cumberland that are all mm. um i would I' would be quite happy to say great at what they do yeah. um what could you give what sort of key messages would you give to to the coach that's really striving to maybe get to where you've been and yeah. and that's maybe not not being a pro but no. uh, be the best that they can be in that field? What would be yeah. the key messages that you would leave people with?
2: Well, I think probably through the, the chat we've had I've probably alluded to a lot of that anyway i think I think uh, you know whatever format of the game you're working in, I think you've got to immerse yourself in that. Um, you've got to learn about you know the individual aspects of that of that format um you've got to be driven you know so you've got to want to go and put the hours in you know my 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 family will tell you you know the the time i've spent away from them over the last ten years has been ridiculous you know um i've lost so many days that I can never get back with them, so you have to sacrifice. You have to put the time in you have to to go and do the due diligence and spend time you know um, piecing together what you need to piece together whether that be session preparation whether it be reflecting and reviewing whether it be analysis whatever it whatever it takes you know prepare preparation is is vital and and being ready for what if um you know that 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 would be a, a very important component for me but i think i think a passion for what you do, and just a, a love of whatever aspect of the game you're involved in, whether that be coaching, whether it be the medical side, the sports science side, but a passion for what you do and, and just a general love of people, because at the end of the day, that's why I do it. I do it because I love doing what I do, but I love seeing people succeed on the back of what I give them, and for me, that that's got to be your driver. Um, if you have other drivers then ultimately somewhere along the line the game will turn around and bite you on the backside but if, if your drivers are that you know and you have good intention then I think you, you've got a great um, opportunity to, to succeed in the game
1: Fantastic, um, yeah, yeah I suppose I've, I've sat here really with a bit of a grin on my face throughout mm. because it's real It's real interesting to hear mm. um, somebody talk like you have done mm. Um around your experiences but be so humble about it so just hope that's come across well and i want to thank you for that Um, that'll that'll draw us to a close Um, i hope you found this first episode of our podcast interesting if you enjoyed the show we would appreciate any shares through your social media channel for those who want further information or to connect with tony visit his twitter page where you will find him at tegk1 we will be releasing further recorded episodes soon and have a treat for you all in our next episode with the excellent Pete Sturgis, national 5-11 to 11 lead for the FA and mastermind behind the foundation Phase DNA. Subscribe to our channel to keep an eye out on the next release. In these unprecedented times we will be delivering further online content to you. Why not check out our social media accounts at Cumberland FA where you will find an invite to our newly launched virtual coffee club and come get your hour a week fixed back and join in to talk about coaching stay safe folks.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Cumberland FA or like Cumberland FA on Facebook for more episodes.